I'm here with Renzo and Monica Ortega, whom two become family. And um, maybe tell us about, we didn't get into this in detail in the show, but what is your, your apostolate, specifically outreach through you know, social media and stuff? Our, our, our goal with the apostolate, well, so the apostolate stuff, it lives on, it's got a website to becomefamily.com. And then we have different social media platforms on all the different platforms you go at to become family, you'll find what we're doing. Um, but a lot, but it was inspired by uh, St. John Paul's writing in Familiaris Consortio. Um, two, two, two lines in there, one where he says, family, become what you are. And then a little earlier in the, in the um, encyclical, he says that it's a, I believe he said it's a great work of mercy to restore confidence in, in marriage and family life. Um, and that's something that we've been aiming to do through the different formats of the apostolate, different content that we create um, to, to one, to be honest about our struggles in marriage and, and how we've grown, um, but also shed light in that, that God's grace is available for, for all the Catholics who've been married and, and who possess the sacrament um, so that they can go confidently into marriage and not be afraid of it. Um, and then even for young Catholics who are unsure of marriage too, to restore confidence in that marriage and family life, that even if they didn't live or weren't exposed to a, a marriage that was good, that, that, that grace is there so that they could have what they never, never had growing up, that they could have that in the future. Yeah, and truthfully it started because um, we had been doing marriage prep ministry in our diocese, our home diocese, and we've also done youth ministry for a number of years, and many of our former teens were becoming young adults and getting married, and um, we just wanted to kind of supplement what we were doing for the diocese, give another resource, and then also to share with some of our former teens that have now grown up and gone off. They've moved all over the place, all over the country, um, to have some kind of some conversation starters for them. So just a lot of topics that um, don't always get discussed out in public. Um, and, you, and you kind of wonder how to navigate these situations, whether it's communication or um, intimacy, sexuality, in-laws, holidays, you know, whatever these things that uh, present themselves in a new marriage, they're not always talked about out in the open. And, um, and so you're, you're, you feel isolated sometimes and you feel like you're trying to navigate them on your own. And we wanted to just provide an avenue of some form of mentorship for the people that we knew and um, so that we could start conversations with them and they could start conversations with one another. Um, so really it was to address a local need more so and um, it just seemed to resonate with people. So it kind of grew from there. Yeah. Uh, and we try not to have, our episodes and our, our writings aren't very instruction-based. I think uh, I think if people want instruction-based, they, they, they know where to look and who the right people are, but it's a lot more conversation-based and our experience is what's worked for us. And then ultimately always pointing them back to the church and, and Christ, um, but allowing them to have those conversations and even be flies on the wall with our conversation so they could see that that what, what integrated marriage looks like, that it's not separate from the life of the church, but also that the life of the church can speak into marriage and really make it better. Yeah. And sometimes those conversations don't always go articulately or smoothly. And we try to keep that in, in the way that we write and in the way that we talk on our podcast that, you know, just this is this is how it is to kind of muddy through some of these some of these things in life. You, you tell a really kind of compelling story about what happened during COVID. Talk about that with the young people and the experience of 
not being able to meet with them, right? Oh yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. yeah. So during COVID, we um particular we saw this particularly in youth ministry, um, that because we're, we're in New England too. Yes, so we are in New England. We're based context. out of New England. So um, so with the shutdowns and and schools closing and you know sports teams and and pretty much anything social for the for the teens, it was. It, they were closed that those options were closed to them for quite some time and therefore also youth ministry youth ministry had to go virtual um, so we met online through zoom and we tried to have meetings but of course there's nothing can replace that social live social interactions and, and they got to a point they were tired of, tired of screens because they were doing all their classes through screens and all their, all their homework work. everything and so to do another meeting virtually yeah. <laughs> was just too much for them. Yeah, but the one of the things that we saw that was so hard for us on the you know the other side was um, they were they were so engrossed in social media that was their way of keeping in contact with one another. But then also the greater world. So so many opinions about COVID and the reactions to COVID and and what's right and what's wrong as far as um, shutdowns and vaccinations, and then we and added- Anything polit polit well, political. Yeah, and then added a, a presidential election to that time frame. Mm -hmm. and, and you have these young teens who, most of them aren't old enough to vote yet and, and are still developing their worldview and their sense of, uh, their sense of morality and, and where they fit in in the world and things. So they were getting so many messages well, and it's funny because it's only four years ago, but the messages that they were getting were from secular culture mm -hmm. and very anti-Catholic and, and, and distorting what the Catholic Church actually teaches. And I don't think at that point we had the amount of Catholic content creators we have That's now yeah. that were speaking a counter, counter message to that. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of what does the church actually teach out there that yes. they could even find. Yes, um, so we had many teens decide to, to leave the church and leave youth ministry because they had heard what uh, you know I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now but this podcast so you can't see but what they had heard that the church teaches and it's so they it's it seemed so um it seemed antiquated but it also seemed uh lacking compassion it lacked social awareness and social justice and and so much we just wanted to scream like come back let's have a conversation about this let's talk about this and let's really go into what you're hearing and what you're learning and what's true and what's real and what things are lies and mm -hmm. and so um it was a tough time in ministry and, and that's it's, for it's, sure it's amazing because it required the only i think the internet of that besides speaking truth would, was to accompany them through their struggles and and we were unable to because of the the lockdowns and the shutdowns right. and and as much as we could reach out via text or something, there was it's nothing not the that same. could make up for the in-person time to really share the gospel with them. Right. Yeah, to me it was striking when you were first telling me that, that, yeah, if you turn young people over to the culture, they're not going to come out Catholic. No. No. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. They're going to come out with the values of the world. Um, no. Now, you all have a real missionary heart. You said you like going to your geographical parish you know you're not kind of church hunting and because you want to be there amongst uh, people there and and witness talk about what drives that in you or is that just a feeling of a calling 
Because sometimes, you know, we all can like to be around like-minded people and mm-hmm. and get, be encouraged by that. You know, maybe we need the encouragement. But uh, you it's, guys are, are going to the Far East here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's funny. I, I don't, I think since, very stereotypical of being, of having a conversion, as soon as I realized that Christ is real and, and everything the church teaches is real, um, I, we were both really bit with a bug to share it, and we wanted to share it with whomever we could. Um, I think we got to the point that we were very... Uh, Our pendulum may have swung a little too swung, far. <laughs> we, were, we were like obnoxious converts. Um, everyone knew we were converts and, or reverts. And, um, you but had, I think you had, had a lot of Jesus t-shirts. I had a lot of Jesus t-shirts. <laughs> but we had, a, we had a big conviction of we wanted to share the gospel, and because we, we believe it, you know, it provides freedom. It provides what people are looking for. Um, like the cross-shaped hole in your heart is filled by Christ. Like there's there's all, all of that that we believe. And then um, I think right now we're, we're in, a, in a day and age where because people want to be close to Christ and close to the truth, they kind of tend to seek where where it feeds them. And they're, they're, con- they're, they're concerned about how am I being fed? How, how are my children being fed? I, I want to grow in faith. But also they forget that your faith is given to you also so that you could share with others and, and be able to transform others' lives. And so the gospel is meant to be shared, not just to be held in for yourself, for your own transformation. Like it's a both and. Um, and I see a lot of, and I, I, I love the idea of the Benedict option, but also I want I want a Benedict option so that we can become stronger, so that we can go out and transform the world. Um, and I've, I've, I've always been convicted of that, um, sometimes to a fault, to the point that I, I did it poorly and I was rude. I'm sorry for all the people that are listening that I, if I was rude to you, um, but but we really want we really believe that the power of the gospel can transform lives, and it doesn't matter if you know what age demographic is being preached to or 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 where people are at when they're hearing it for the first time. Um, so that's why even at our home parish, we still believe that the gospel can still transform the parish. It doesn't have to be set in a particular place, but like no, here you know roots can sink here, and then Christ can move here, and the Holy Spirit is active. Um, people just need to say yes and, and be willing to kind of give of themselves. And I think that's where a lot of our conviction yeah. comes from. I think, too, if we, um, I think there's something very good and important about having like a home in the church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if we're always searching for the, um, the, the spirituality or the charism or the way that this place can feed me and can take care of me, then I'm not fully acting as family and I'm not fully acting as home. Like we are called to not only be cared for, but to care for others. And so I think that it's important to to give to your home, like to give back to your home, to give to the parish that is close to your physical home, but so that your community be, can become a home and your church family can become a home. And that you give your gifts and, and you receive the gifts of those that are around you. And it just, um, I don't know, I think it's important for your children to grow up around people, like you said, like-minded, but are also different. And, yeah. and I think that that's good, that we're, we're all here to worship Christ. And then we do that in, in this way because that's what works for our whole family. Yeah. And we also recognize that we, we I don't want to say we have a gift for sharing, I think we're, we're in the right place and God has given us the right people around us for us to be able to share. And some people may give back to the parish monetarily, sure. but they, you know, they give their gifts and talents. And, and I would hate to 
give our gifts and talents to do things outside of our church, but never do it inside. Yes. Yeah. So we, we try to make sure that if we're in the right positions and people ask us, we will get involved. And a lot of the work we do um, within our parish is also volunteer. So when we're doing the pre cana we're volunteering to do that. If, if they want us to do something with religious ed or give talks, like we'll do that because we want to be able to give back to the parish. And um, I know on the show we mentioned about Pope Benedict speaking so eloquently. I'm sure he's not the only one, but just the witness of the family and its role in proclaiming the gospel just through the family's existence. Um, you know, it's a beautiful image of testimony to the power of the gospel, right? You see two people in love, right? That's God mm-hmm. is there. Where love is, there's God. But um, what kind of comments do you get? Imagine you get some nice comments. No, it's oh, it's hard church, to get them. It's really hard when is, you get it them. It is hard to receive. We have we have a very gracious and inviting community, and and the other families, especially like the daily mass old ladies, they love our children <laughs> so well, and they're so patient with their interruptions and their and their noises and their silliness but um you know what they it's it's wild because families are are it's no secret that families are fracturing Mm -hmm. at a at a rate much more quickly than anyone would like um and so when they see a family when people at our at church anywhere really at the grocery store anywhere sees a family that is joyfully spending time with one another doing just what they're doing whether it's worshiping at mass or like i said grocery shopping cheering for a brother or sister at a game um they can see that there is something different when you are living your life joyfully when you're living as a family joyfully um and loving one another well and serving one another well not perfectly absolutely imperfectly but um yeah, just seeming to try in that direction, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the kind comments that people say. It's nice. Um, but that I also sometimes I feel for the families that they see and they're like, I could never, I could never have five children. Or I could never do what you do. And I just like I I want to shout like shout yeah. and hug at the same time like. You absolutely can because I'm not doing I'm I'm not doing anything. This is just me loving my family and like living through the grace of the sacrament. It is not me. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like when um, Jesus talks to the woman at the well and says like if you knew the gift of, if if you knew the gift of God, um, and I kind of feel like that when people put a lot on like oh you guys are raising them so well. You know, there's there, there seem to be you know you guys are so happy. You have so many kids, and you, you seem to balance it so well. It's not us at all. It is absolutely mm-hmm. grace because no. they'll say that even after, and sometimes it's after the kids have had terrible tantrums in mass, and they got up three or four times during the homily, and I had to take them, and and it's, it was a struggle. And then they come and they, oh, you guys did so great, and it was like this was a work of grace. It was not, yeah, you know, our our gifts and talents, but it was it was us just cooperating, and saying yes in this moment to be here, yeah, and to try to do this well with our children. Yeah, there's there's a something that God can do with willingness, right? Mm-hmm. That He can He can take your willingness or the and willingness to be willing, the willingness to be willing, right? I want yeah. to want. <laughs> to do this well um and i think that i think that if you give that to god 
and you just show up and yeah. you're like you know you just you just yeah. show up to mass yeah. and you just come as your family and you say i'm here i think that he can do great things with that right and and um is there one yeah. nice comment that you heard that touched you oh um the ones where there's there's somewhere people will say things like wow they had a lot of wiggles but you seem to still like love them mm -hmm. in that you know like that i don't um i don't try to stop them from being kids like they are mm. children so they are not going to sit like adults in mass right, right? right and so i'm not going to remove them because they can't sit still for an hour like that we're gonna obviously tantrums mm -hmm. will excuse ourselves and calm down but mm -hmm. i i appreciate when people notice that i'm i'm trying to love my children where they're at yeah. and not try to make them you know like mass robots i always think too that uh oh, we could take a break do you need to fix oh no that no I had <laughs> she, she a, just I, keeps hitting the cord i'm uh, like i don't I'm know sorry. that's gonna mess no, up the audio i'm good <laughs> i'll keep my hands yep. keep my hands down um that yeah my eyes can't see <laughs> um you know i feel like too like this whole question about gay marriage and everything I, you know, you feel like if more people were living marriage well, right. it wouldn't even be a question. It's like right. these are not the same things. Right. You know, to say two men together, two women together. And, you know, personally, sometimes what I feel is like you see someone in the lifestyle, I just, I feel like God wants more for you. It's mm -hmm. like you're settling for something less. You know, mm -hmm. it's just like two of the same instead of the richness of this complementary differences that can call a deeper masculinity like you yeah. all spoke of earlier like the, calls a calls a masculinity out of, of out of you and femininity out of uh, monica and renzo yeah. <laughs> but um so there's a richness there right yeah. that's part of the plan of god mm -hmm. and you bring that together there's this fruitfulness you know there's mm -hmm. children there's life and it just seems like we're confused because we're not living it enough, you know. And and I think even people help young people find their masculinity or femininity. Um, I know Monica, you spoke about like how motherhood like physically mm -hmm. changes you, and you know, there's the pain of childbirth and all this kind of stuff. That it's just it's very real what the feminine gifts are here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and distinctive abilities and roles and stuff. But, yeah. uh, but you know, part of your story of witness, and maybe the, is that you all grew up in this culture as well as everybody else. Yes. Yeah. And you didn't have perfect backgrounds, right? No. You had a, yeah. but you all are married, having kids and, and doing yeah. fine now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I think in, in, in kind of piggybacking off of the, <laughs> What you said about if 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 marriages were thriving, you could then point to and be like, whatever you have, it's not that. And I think at this point in our culture, marriages are so holy. Marriages that 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 make you reconsider, you know, life's priorities aren't as evident anymore. Right. Um, you know, in, not saying that we're in, we're nowhere clear near saints, but like if you had, um, it reminds me of a story Peter Crave told about um, priests going to a bishop and saying. How can we increase vocations in this diocese? Or the bishop asking the priest, how can we increase vocation in the diocese? And the, the priest say to the bishop, um, your canonization. Mm. And, and I think if, and if we were able to live 
holy, saintly marriages, that's going to transform how right. the world sees marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I and that's one of the things we've talked about before is that that we're we're a lot of us are eager to to speak the truth um, in love to those that that need to hear it, but we should also, you know, kind of walk the talk and 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 show that this is yeah. this is what Christ can do. Yeah. Because that's ultimately like what happened to us is we we came from very different backgrounds. We weren't as culturally Catholic as our, our families were. We weren't transformed by Christ, um, and even down paths that weren't going to lead to to any great things. But then once Jesus entered the picture, we were so transformed that that it we we couldn't help but live this way mm. and and really give our lives completely to that. And I think that is what. You know that's what makes people reconsider like you're living differently why are you living differently yeah um and then now that's grown into our marriage of, of even just having five kids is a sign of like why do you have so many yeah why are, why aren't you angry all the time at them <laughs> right why are you why are you bringing them to mass even though it's so difficult why are you why are you homeschooling right now and not saying that everyone has to do exactly what we're doing mm-hmm. um, but embracing the reality of family life i think makes a difference especially now where culture doesn't think marriage or family is necessary, mm-hmm. right? That it's a, it's a superfluous thing. That's not, not something that you need to strive for to see couples striving for good, holy marriages, I think mm-hmm. is very countercultural. And I, th- I think it's so important to not just be living the way you think you're supposed to be living because you think you're supposed to be living that way, but to live your life and enjoy your life that is noticeable by others that like i might be having a difficult time the toddler is wiggling around in my arms but i'm still going to like embrace him and i'm going to kiss him and i'm going to smile at him when he does do something silly or um, marriages that are, are that have a friendship as their foundation and that you enjoy your spouse you you like spending time with them and and others can see that because you joke or you you giggle or you you know you compliment one another or what have you. Mm-hmm. There's these different little ways to enjoy your life, and that is a gift from the Lord too, right? Like if you are really living the truth of the gospel, you will have joy in your life, right? Yeah. Like if you're really believing that, so allow that into your day, allow that into your marriage and into your family life. And I think that is peculiar to others too. That yeah. like you, you just and, seem... and you see that in the lives of the saints, where like they can go through intense suffering and still have experience joy. And like Saint Paul yeah. talks about it, like a joy beyond all understanding. Like that's right. or peace beyond all understanding. Like they have this joy and peace about them that's different, and that's something we pray for and try to try to have mm. as yeah. we parent yeah. five children. I think one thing that helps, because a couple of Christmases ago, a friend of mine gave me this, it's kind of like a, I call it like an artisan style. It's like this kind of rough wood frame and it's this in script, it says, enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. And so it's something you gotta hang on the wall. And when I first got it, I said, I don't need another piece of artwork. And my <laughs> office is jammed full of stuff. Uh-huh. And I, especially something so, I don't know, empty as this. But then I, I thought, Later, I thought this is very deep because uh-huh. at the time I sure. was I was mm-hmm. kind of struggling with because sure. you're always like worried about this. Well, you got to put out the next fire. You got this yeah. next yes. thing to do, and it's like I'm never in the moment because I, I felt like I described it to someone. It's like I feel like my life was like slipping out of my fingers. It's like I didn't have control of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and even like to trust God, you know, because people 
you know, talk about, oh, I trust God. You know, I've turned my life over to God. It's like, I really don't even know what you're talking about because it's like, <laughs> I mean, do you really trust God if you have this horrible cancer or you see a loved one mm. get horrible cancer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to make this profession? I just, I just trust God without qualification. But I can trust God in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like right now, yeah. I can trust him in the present moment. Right. And then I can have some peace and joy. If I can enjoy this moment, I can yeah. trust that God's yeah. here. I love this story. Father Augustine Weta tells, he was early on in formation. He's wrestling with the call to celibacy. He's not yet made final vows. Or he's going to leave. He's going to stay. going to leave. You know, he's benedicted. Mm-hmm. He goes to the spiritual director. He says, yeah, I've had it. I, I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And the, the, the director says, well, are you going to leave right now? He said, no, 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 I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to be here today. And mm-hmm. he said, well, go back to your cell and be the best brother you can be today. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically just string those along, yeah. you know, yes. and just focus on this, this present moment, enjoying your life. And that, that is, you know, we miss the greatness, the goodness that's in our lives, as you oh, said. Oh, my goodness. And that's, that's, you know, our girls, my girls group, I have a group of friends when we get together. Um, and we, we either do a Bible study, we read books, what have you. But one of the things that we have been reminding ourselves of, I don't remember which friend said this first, but um, that I have to stop saying, we'll have a fresh start tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like the day is going awry and, you know, everything's falling apart and like tomorrow will be better. Mm-hmm. How about right now can be better? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, and not wait for that next thing, like not wait for tomorrow mm-hmm. or when you know when the schedule settles down or we get that new promotion or like let's not yeah. wait for that but like let's start fresh right now yeah. and and have this moment right now and that's been one of our things we've been reminding each other of yeah the story you just told um reminds me of what the uh in in the military um a friend of ours just graduated ranger school and he's and i asked him like how you know how difficult was it and they they said one of the advice one of the advice that they gave him was um when he felt like quitting, to say to yourself, I'll quit tomorrow. Mm. But for today, I'm here. I'm going to do it. Mm. And then he's like, and then when tomorrow comes, it's going to be easier. But you'll yeah. feel like you still want to quit. So you're like, all right, I'll quit tomorrow. And yeah. you just, like you said, keep stringing it along. Yeah. And then, and then I, that makes you be present because mm. I'm going to quit tomorrow. But for right now, I'm here. I'm this embracing got, it. Yeah, right. this is what I got to do. Yeah. And in speaking about that witness, and I, I think, you know, in some ways, I feel like it's like shooting fish in a barrel because what does the culture have to offer us, right? It's like it, it, it dazzles us with some celebrities. And even Jim Carrey, I think, said he, he wishes everybody could have like wealth and popularity, celebrity for a day just mm-hmm. to find out it's not what mm. you think it is, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I, I feel like Satan's like working like the devil to to don't, don't look over here, mm-hmm. right? Because these are, and I think about this like with preaching too, you know, just get this fundamental truth of the gospel there, the, the passage for today, and, and get that out there because it seems simple or something, but it strikes people's hearts, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like the stuff we see in media and all this isn't real. And there's a new favorite quote I I heard recently, I heard it at Seek, it said that the truth is like a lion. You know, you just have to unleash it because it can defend itself. Mm. Mm. I just love that image 
of like this lion going mm -hmm. through the Serengeti and he's not afraid of anything. He's gonna go yeah. where he wants, he's gonna do mm -hmm. what he wants. And it's like, you know, just get that truth out there, the witness of the family, the witness of the gospel. But right. um, let me ask you, you all are from Newtown and that's where the Sandy Hook School was. Mm -hmm. And this terrible tragedy you know, these young kids were shot up in a classroom. And um, where do you see, like, God at work there in Sandy Hook today? Mm. Or well, in this community? Yeah, well, I, God was definitely at work by having such a strong Catholic community within the community. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then providing the right leadership for that time and for that season that can really gather people together and is willing to make the sacraments available, make themselves available. Like we, we definitely had, uh, that community had shepherds that were, were willing to, to, you know, lay their life down for their sheep and, and, and mm. be present to them and, and present to so many families that needed it. And, and then that's, and, and, and with that kind of, that kind of thing, I don't know if it'll, you'll see all the fruit that that'll bear until years down the line when, when people realize like how present the priests were. I think the pre, the, that those mm. kind of situations really show why, why we need priests, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I know I know from just anecdotally, like the, the the priests were at people's houses and spending time with people and and going through funerals and and just really being present. And then and then from there, really making sure that there was ministries that were available for the for the people that needed it. And in yeah. different and then maybe that they weren't even in you know personally involved with with the tragedy in any way, but because we're part of a strong community, they were affected. Um, providing ways for the for ministries to be able to reach people so that Christ could reach them and ultimately put always pointing back to Jesus mm -hmm. um, and we were blessed to be part of part of a community that could do that mm -hmm. um, and then and then down the line like you know you fast forward 11 years you, you still see that the that the, the community is still strong Catholic the Catholic community is still strong and that people it, when tragedy came about, Christ was there so that they don't they didn't turn their back on the church mm -hmm. right people are still Catholic they're still there they're still committed and and allow for and that will allow for future any future healing needs to happen to be there right like that that door is not closed to faith right because yeah. of a tragedy yeah and you all it's part of your own story about having a powerful experience around the sacraments uh, Monica years was confession and Renzo adoration and talking about the strength, the power, the sacraments, of the church. Um, tell us about your experiences um, in that with confession. Well, sure. Um, I think so. For me, I had spent a lot of time away from Christ's mercy um, prior to the prior to this experience, and um, the way that the conference, the way that the retreat was set up, really encouraged. Um, confession. I had, I had had like this negative um, impression of the sacrament that it was it was kind of your your way of highlighting how badly you've you've been how badly you've been behaving and like how much you've screwed up and and instead of the invitation for healing mm -hmm. and the invitation to start anew and to be transformed by grace. So I had that um, perception be challenged throughout the weekend and was able to see um, and speak with a wonderful priest again these these men that are the face of the face of Jesus for you in these times um, just sit with me and like let me talk 
and share and he listened and he you could just tell by his face that he felt compassion and um you know answered some questions that i had like challenges of of why why is this really so bad you know and 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 met met that with like okay good question you know and didn't shame me for doubting mm. or wondering and um and that just that helped restore my my soul back to you know good relationship with with the lord and um and from there i've been able to yeah reframe that sacrament for myself with with yeah. jesus and and seek his mercy more frequently and more readily and enthusiastically i guess um do you think you were looking for like a real answer like why is this so bad or were you just looking kind of for an encouragement or a acceptance or? uh you know probably both depending yeah. on what the what the challenge was yeah. you know i had i had some questions about like honoring your mother and father when mm. things are hard at home and yeah. and like things aren't aren't rightly ordered you know how do i do that mm. well and um and things like that and and if i'm going to try to start you know really living my faith but i i have you know people in my home that might be opposed to that like yeah. How do you still honor? And so right. I think that that was, I was really looking for guidance for some of that. And then for others, I think, yeah, like, like, please, it, it was almost like a cry for like, please don't pat me on the back and like say that like, oh, it was okay. Like you didn't understand. Like, no, you're mm. called, mm. you're called to more and you're called mm. to better. And, and I appreciated that, like that loving challenge of, okay, now, mm. so, now you do have a fresh start. But let's not let's yeah, repent, right? right? Like there, there has to be some, some repentance and yeah. some change here. Um, so yeah, I think it was a mixed bag, and so mm. <laughs> praise be to God that priest was was ready to deal with all of that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And for you, Renzo, adoration was a powerful moment. Yeah, it was Eucharistic adoration. Um, I had been an altar server, so I'd served at adorations before, um, and I guess I knew intellectually what the church taught about Christ being truly present in the Eucharist, but I'd never, uh, I guess I, I never took it seriously and never experienced it in, in a way that, that compelled me enough to actually understand or believe it. Uh, not understand it. I don't think I could ever understand it, but but believe it in such a powerful way. And then, um, but at, at, at the conference, the, the speaker, the host kind of led into adoration, explaining about the Holy of Holies and how um, only the priest was allowed to go in and in and, and Old Testament and now Christ has come to us and he's truly present on the altar and, and we are he's accessible to us for all of us to to experience him and see him and, and worship him um, and then the the holy hour was it, it the prayer was the prayer all happened in a way that 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 was very compelling um, but then I definitely know that it wasn't just an emotional experience it wasn't like I knew Jesus I know that there's a saying of like you knew Jesus intellectually and then you know him in your heart but it was definitely a, a ascending beyond that where I knew, it, I knew within myself like this is Jesus and this is true and I am loved and all of those thoughts hit me right at once and is and the emotions came up because it's, it's as if my body couldn't handle that reality of yeah. like this is how loved you are couldn't contain it. right it couldn't yeah. contain it but like this is how um, this is how present Christ is right now because um, I and I don't know where it is in the Bible or, or I don't even know if it's in the Bible but the the idea that if if God were to reveal himself fully to us right now, like we wouldn't be able to stand and, right. and, and we wouldn't and and that that that's the closest thing I could I could relate it to of, of Christ revealing himself in a way that I was just this is it was too much for me, but at the same time this is exactly what I needed. 
and that that convicted me so much of like this is and then just realizing like despite being a sinner i had already got a confession the night before um but in despite all my sins and all my failings and and where i was in my life and how you know how i had been acting that he still deeply loved me um that was the beginning of healing that that you know didn't take place for years but but it was the beginning and and he was it was him really pursuing me and drawing me closer to him um and and i just remember that just being completely life-changing um, because my trajectory of my life just completely altered after that and and i was in pursuit of him after wow no yeah god's at work he's present there in that confession you know, we were talking about Bishop Barron earlier, and uh, he, he heard him say a quote recently that really struck me. That he was talking about in Exodus, that about uh, the burning bush and how God spoke to Moses there, and and that the bush was on fire but was not consumed, and Moses is wondering at this marvel, you know, and he draws closer, and and he was making the connection that that uh, grace builds on nature mm -hmm. and that when we come close to God, um, there's in our humanity, there's this luminescence, there's this wondrous transformation, there's this beauty. And I was thinking even more broadly, you know, like when we see something beautiful like a sunset or something out of nature, we feel like this is like an encounter with God. It makes mm -hmm. us think of God. Mm -hmm. It's like, God is close to this place or this what's happening and it, and it luminesces, you know, mm -hmm. I just love that. And you made me think about it today, like with marriage, that marriage is instituted by God. We see it in the Garden of Eden. Jesus raises it to the dignity of a sacrament. He's drawing close to this. He's present there. And what do you think, like your faith, the sacrament has brought to marriage? Two people come together to love each other, to have kids. Mm -hmm. What does the faith do with that? Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like to really to really do the marriage thing, like the thing that you want, it's impossible to do that humanly. Like it is a supernatural thing to be able to bring two completely unique and different individuals, join them to make them one. <laughs> Right. Like that is the new reality of this like unique individualness, but oneness and to like and to have that be done well. I just cannot do that. Like I could not and you could not. And we are just too imperfect to have that be done well. Right. And we see that like we see that in the creation of children where you're like, there's no possible way we could have come up with that ourselves. <laughs> and here is this whole other third human who is a little bit of you and a little bit of me and a little bit of neither of us and a little bit of a combination of us. And and you're just like, this is, this is just too magnificent mm -hmm. to be done by two humans. Yeah. And... Um, and so it's like, well, where's the answer to that? Like, where is that? And that is in that is in our faith. And, you know, you, you spoke about, Renzo, you spoke about healing. Um, that, like, those are things that we are incapable of fully doing that ourselves. Like, bringing ourselves from woundedness to freedom. And through the sacrament, like, bringing those wounds out and and helping to heal one another that's not actually us healing one another but that's the grace through our life and our gifts to one another that are doing that um 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what speaker I've heard say this, but that that marriage isn't natural; it's supernatural. Mm. Um, and, and there's 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 a big, and I would argue that's that's a big reason why marriage is so out of um, it's it's out of popularity now because so much of how our society functions is very naturalistic and very atheistic. And so marriage doesn't make sense. Like, why would you want to be just with one person forever when mm-hmm. I could live my life however I want and be with however many I want and I don't need to commit and I don't need, um, you know, don't have to have children anymore. And that's because marriage isn't just a natural thing, but it's a supernatural thing mm-hmm. that God want, designed us to be yeah. united in this way. Um, and it just, and our faith recontextualizes the whole idea of marriage into realizing it's grander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think about it, like some form of marriage, and it might be very distorted, like in all these cultures throughout man's history. But Jesus really came and purified it, right? Mm-hmm. They talks about Moses allowing for divorce due to the hardness of your hearts, and he redeems it to say, no, this, this is possible to have a permanent bond, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to be faithful and by his grace, and so much so that he makes it a sacrament of his his love for the church. Yeah. When you think about that, I mean, you're participating in Jesus laying down his life for the church, is saving, redeeming the church, and the bond there uh-huh. that the right. Son of God yeah. <laughs> right. makes with humanity, right? right. Uh-huh. And redeeming it by yeah. entering into the world through family, mm-hmm. right? And through having a father and mother and yeah. and living in the holy family and you know, you, you, yes, you speak about this this grandeur, but also their their simplicity, right? Mm-hmm. Their hidden life for years together with one another. He redeems family life. He redeems like normal, mundane family life by entering into that. Yeah, and I think that was I really wanted to say that in the show because I was just heard that oh, it was Saint Francis de Sales. You know, we just had his feast day and. We've got this one reading we read every year in the office that always strikes me. And he, he talks about true devotion. You know, it's it's silly to think that, you know, to think that like a, a mother could pray like she's in a cloister, mm-hmm. or that a husband doesn't have to have a little concern as for making money as like a Carthusian monk or something. <laughs> you know, it's like ridiculous. You know, it's like, and that, you know, that we're called. And our vocations and following that, that it's going to be a path to holiness. Yeah, we live it well. So those acts of marriage, those yeah. of living out your vocation and the mundane is a path to holiness. You know, and right. it, it, you're not in adoration, praying before the sacrament at that moment. <laughs> but, you know, the things you're doing right. is building the kingdom. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Now, one more point I want to ask, Renzo, you, you mentioned... Uh, but uh, too, we should say, and we said this on the show, but you know, both your parents uh, were divorced and and different issues within the family there. So, you know, you are coming out of this culture to do this, mm-hmm. right? To to get married and to live this well. So, you have the experience and the the scars, right? To <laughs> to show that. So, I think that's important to get that out there on this podcast too. But. But I want to ask you, Renzo, you, your family is, you immigrated to this country, you were three mm-hmm. years old from Peru. Yeah. And, and it gave you an esteem for America. You're back, you're, you grew up about an hour and a half outside of New York City. Yes. Yep. And, and I, I love New York. Uh, you know, this, 
it's kind of an image for me of all of America and uh -huh. you know the people that have come you know immigrants and made a life for themselves and everything it shows kind of what America does well right yeah <laughs> you can turn things around like yeah. in less than a generation usually. yeah and uh, but tell me about that yeah it, it, it's funny because I don't know if I've ever thanked my parents for for this for mm -hmm. their for the sacrifice because mm -hmm. imagine like Monica and I like oh, let's just move to a different country that we don't know the language and yeah. figure out a way to succeed within a generation. Yeah. And not just succeed by like by by monetarily, but but be able to put our children through things. Like my parents moved here and they had no idea how to speak English. They they had one relative that lived in the United States and that they they stayed with my you know, it was my uncle, they stayed with my uncle. Um, and my mom was a housekeeper at a hotel, my dad was a housekeeper at a hotel. Um, and just like the in like stereotypically, like you go to a hotel and you see the Hispanic housekeepers, and and that that those were my parents, and they they were con committed to giving me the best life I could possibly have, mm -hmm. and they decided, and and you know they knew it wasn't in Peru where they were, and that they and people in Peru had talked about the United States, like that's where you can make it, that's where you can re you know you could you could change your generations, you could you could build a great life for your children, so they emigrated here and they had to really just grind and do do the dirty work they had to clean hotels and learn english and, and my mom took english classes and in peru she had graduated with a bachelor's in, in business administration i believe and she couldn't use that degree like she had come to a new country where her degree was worthless and she had to really build her way up um and and thanks be to god she came to the united states because the united states provided that that opportunity for her right so so now she like now I'm I'm a product of, of that hard work. She put me through Catholic. Her and my dad put me through Catholic school. Um, through most of most of my life, he worked as a security guard at night. That was like his main main source of of work. And then and my mom worked her way up through the hotel business. And now she's like a director of sales at a, at a very at a very good hotel um, chain in in Connecticut. And they were they they were so committed to to getting me and then my brother through elementary school through high school through college so that that we could have a better life than they did and then you know now i'm able to i had i got my bachelor's i have a master's degree and you know i, I have a house i have kids and a lot of that was because they sacrificed so much of their lives they sacrificed yeah. so much of their comfort yeah. but they also came to a country that 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 like they didn't come into the country thinking like all oh, the chips are against us mm -hmm. like they they saw this as like a challenge of of this is a land of opportunity. Right. And because of the opportunity, like we're here and we're gonna go for it. And yeah. you can see you can see that the I don't pride isn't the right word, but they're just they're very happy with what they were able to do when they come and they see our family and see mm -hmm. our kids and like, mm -hmm. okay, like all our sacrifice was worth it. Mm -hmm. Um and again, like this is thirty something years of sacrifice that I can't imagine how difficult that was. Yeah. Um, but I'm grateful they did it. And I'm grateful again that and it makes me very proud to to live in the United States and, and be American, and our kids live in a place where this is possible, and, yeah. and that's something I, I will I will defend to to anyone because I'm a product of what is possible if you if you go for it. Yeah, and I've heard some immigrants talk about too, like how they had to honor that with yeah. us. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, like the sacrifice they made to have it in your life as well. That, mm -hmm. um, and is there some aspect of their faith that really, like I think of my father, it was, he passed away from cancer, but I remember it was like unthinkable not to go to mass. I mean, that was just like, 
an absolute given. And I didn't know my faith well, but I remember I got to college and I just thought, every denomination, everybody go to church on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing? You know, and, uh, and, I, and I, I think that carried me a long way, you know, in my not knowing the faith well, but um, it kept me connected to the church, mm-hmm. you know, in some way. And um, they, they definitely, growing up, they were super strict about mass every single mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, and they got me through Catholic school, but they were, I used to fight kicking and screaming to go to mass. Um, and then after my conversion, when I became very serious <laughs> about mass, they stopped going. <laughs> They're like, oh, you, you, can, you can do it yourself. You can take yourself there. And now, and, and, and they see it that way too. They're very happy that I'm so involved with, with anything uh-huh. related to the faith. Yeah. Um, and they support it. And they're, they're just happy that I do it and they see it as a good thing. But, uh, you know, I still pray that one day, you know, their hearts will soften. And I do believe, and even I hope I hope they're listening to this, um, I do believe a lot of it is because of, of a fear of, of the sins that they have and, and, not, and not being afraid of encountering that mercy and yeah. having to kind of reconcile that. And I hope that they, and I pray that they, they see the goodness that, that I'm talking about is real and that Christ desires to, to, to be close to them. And, and there's a lot of goodness there for them. There's no shame. There's in... in that Christ yeah. takes that from you and gives you a new heart. Um, but yeah, as soon as they realized that I was taking it seriously, they're like, okay, job's done. And then yeah. they, they kind of stepped away. Yeah. But the cultural, culturally, though, they knew it was a good, so they made sure to instill that in me. Yeah. And I've come to appreciate that more as a priest. I mean, you hear it in the culture all the time. You Christians are judgmental. And, and you know, the implication is they would never, they don't want to go and be judged. And I, and I've gotten to be more sympathetic to that, you know, that um, we have to, we do have to be careful of when people are coming back, you know, not to, to be encouraging and everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to a, a tough old school uh, confessor. And, I, you know, I, after a while, though, I thought, um, you know, I'm not going to let anybody keep me away from confession you know? yeah. <laughs> if I'm yeah. afraid of this guy I mean I, I love a you know he was just a good man and everything but just his style was old school you know mm-hmm. and um, I anyway I sometimes I tell people that too it's like don't let any personality stand in your way I mean this mm-hmm. gift is too good mm-hmm. yeah if you have to stiff on the guy you go yeah. <laughs> but yeah Anyway, well, thank you so much for chatting with us. It was a great show. Good to have you on. Thank you so much for having us. It was great spending the day with you. The whole day was great. This whole experience was awesome. Thank you, Father. 